The boys are back from DEF CON. We talk about our experience with DEF CON 25 and what we would do differently next year. We also discussed Bill C-59, the cleanup bill for Canada's anti-terrorism bill, C-51. What does it contain and does it go far enough? And what can you do to ensure you're a member of Parliament hears your voice on this important issue? It's time to revisit the WikiLeaks Vault 7 releases. It has been a few weeks since we went through the releases coming out of Vault 7, and they just keep on coming. We get you caught up on some of the scary ones that have come out since we last discussed this topic. All this and more nerd humor on tonight's episode of Two Drop Tables and a Microphone. You are listening to Two Drop Tables and a Microphone, an information security podcast with a Canadian perspective and the only tech podcast with a three drink minimum. We are the place for information security news and how it affects you as either a security professional or a general consumer. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and our guests are solely their own and do not reflect the views and opinions of their employers, past or present. Welcome to episode six of the Two Drop Tables podcast. As always, we have the usual IT security folks on board today, so say hello to the folks at home and what you're currently drinking. Dom? Hey, it's Dom here. Uh... Uh, senior Security Analyst, Ministry of Transportation, and I'm drinking Caranberry juice because I had five beers last night, so I'm hungover. <laughs> well, do you, do you have a urinary tract infection? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, John Roberto, uh, Senior Analyst at the Provincial Government, drinking a Jack and Coke. Nice. I started drinking Jack and root beer. It's a little juvenile, but I like it better than Jack and Coke. Um, I'm Mark Speed, lead consultant at Dogwood Technical Solutions, and I am drinking Lagavulin 16-year. So I wanted to preface the show by apologizing to everyone for Episode 5 being out a bit late. Uh, I got really busy leading up to DEF CON, and then, of course, we're all at DEF CON, so I didn't get completed and posted during that week. Uh, so that was a bit late. Then we've had a few rounds of vacations between all of us, so we've skipped a couple weeks with no podcast. But... Um, we're going to work on some things to be able to always provide bi-weekly content, even if we're all away again. So plan on having a show up in your RSS feed with some regularity from now on. It was just a summer glitch. <laughs> yeah, DEF CON fun. Yeah, so let's just get right into that. Uh, as our first topic. Let's talk about uh, DEF CON 25. So we all, a couple weeks ago, returned from our trip to DEF CON and, and amazingly hot Las Vegas. And I wanted to have a quick run through of what happened and get a feeling from everyone about, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like, and if we would do it again next year. So I'll start with a quick what happened. Uh, we went, it was really hot. I got sunburnt. We waited in many lines. Uh, we heard and saw some really cool shit. Uh, we ate and drank, lounged by the pool. It was pretty awesome. And I had a great time. John, why don't you, why don't you lead off with what you liked there, John? Yeah, sure. Uh, the weather, 44 degrees is awesome. No, but uh, I think uh, DEF CON uh, was overwhelming. There's a lot going on, I think, uh, we all found, and I really uh, enjoyed the lockpicking village. It was kind of uh, something new and really got into it and definitely enjoyed spending a lot of time down there. Uh, de- uh, now that I'm back home, got a bunch of locks, got the tools, you know, for educational purposes only, my own locks. But uh, that was probably my favorite part of, of DEF CON so far. I brought out the locks and the lock picks and the progressive, you know, beginner set of lock tumblers. And I was just playing with it, talking to my wife. And she's like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, picking locks. She's like, you can't pick locks. And I started showing her how it works. And then she opened, I was sort of explaining it to her while she's picking around with like the one pin one. And it just turns. She's like, oh, I'm done. So I give her the three pin one. She's like, click, click, click. I'm done. And then she went, did the three, the four, the five, and the six. Wow. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I brought them camping, and everyone was playing around with them. Everyone likes it. It's fun. Yeah, it's a good hobby to get into. But uh, it also, uh, carrying lockpicking tools around uh, might uh, get you uh, in trouble with the law. So uh, should be discreet. Should be discreet about those things. But... Uh, at the same time, if you're saying they're for a hobby use and then you have, uh, say, practice locks with you, you should be okay because they do it, it, they do need uh, something that says that you are about to commit a crime. So Yeah, but, they're not illegal to carry. They're illegal to use for, you know, some nefarious purpose. So as long as you're not accused of doing anything nefarious, then you're good. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be fine. So would you like Dom? Yeah. 
What did I like? Well, the pool. Love being at the pool party there. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, going into various villages uh, within uh, DEF CON. That's actually my favorite part, especially the packet hacking village and the, uh, the IOT slash ICS villages. Just found out that, uh, yeah, they were, uh, what was it? They were in the IOT village. They hacked uh, basically 100,000 plus IOT devices like cameras and sensors and little like baby monitors and whatever you name it, uh, light bulbs. They're, uh, they've all been hacked. <laughs> so, you know, surprise, surprise. Yeah, it was, but uh, yeah, they, uh, that was fun. I, was, uh, I really like the villages and the sky talks, I think. Um, just sort of the same as what everyone else is saying. You know, I'd, I'd like to spend a lot more time doing those. I think Dom's been here before, so he sort of knew. John and I were lining up for all these talks that we wanted to hear. And, you know, like the, they're awesome. Uh, but they all show up on YouTube later, you know. So I think I'd rather spend some more hands-on time doing some stuff at the villages. And the sky talks that I went to were really awesome. And, of course, those aren't recorded on purpose because they're meant to remain anonymous. So. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they get into some real uh, real bad stuff. Let's just say. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, a lot of the main talks there was some good ones. They're big though, big audience, and they don't have really have much time. So I found I think you know we went again. Let's focus on the sky talks. You have to get in line early for those ones. Unfortunately, they're in smaller rooms and a lot more hands on with the different villages and uh, just get more get in there, bring some gear with us, and uh, get more hands on. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, when I, one of the things that uh, I regretted not bringing was my laptop. I would have had a lot more fun in the vi a lot more fun in the villages uh, if I brought my laptop with me. I would have just had a field day. But uh, lo and behold, I didn't do that. So, so I just uh, looked at what everybody else was doing. Not to mention winning a free T-shirt at uh, doing what's known as a sheep hunt in the packet hacking village. Nice. <laughs> you definitely. Uh... You definitely got in there a lot more by staying closer. I mean, I think the other thing we learned was, you know, we stayed at Treasure Island down from Caesars, which wasn't bad. We got a lot of walking in, but it was a little further away. So every time we went back and forth, it's like, you know, it was harder to get back. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea because of the heat too, right? I mean, uh, what I was staring at Harrah's, which is closer uh, to Caesar's Palace, and uh, it was still like trying to. You're in this air-conditioned casino, and it's like really nice. And then all of a sudden, you're out in this 43-degree heat. It's like night and day, you know. Sudden temperature change. Um, and trying to walk to to Caesars, and you just get I get to Caesars, I'm like already sweating. So, <laughs> and that's yeah, it's it's warm. The season was packed, but I think for next year, it's probably not a bad idea to maybe stay right there. <laughs> Definitely get yeah, into exactly. a lot more, head back to your room quicker, pools there. Absolutely. The and pools the there are just insane. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, too, was uh, actually, funny enough, uh, they've already started booking uh, rooms for uh, DEF CON 26. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, also for uh, B-Sides Las Vegas, uh, which is also going to be at Tuscany. Interesting. Uh, and that happens before DEF CON. Yeah, I can't do both. Yeah. I'm not going to leave my wife with two kids for that long. I don't, I don't even know if I want to be in Vegas for that long. It's expensive. I'll just get wrecked over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, five days in Vegas is actually enough time. And, you know, I mean, it's just... Uh, unless, if you, unless if you plan on going to shows or doing something... Um, you know, I mean, five days uh, with uh, right up DEF CON is just, just, just right. I mean, that's uh, a lot of fun. I found DEF CON to be, yeah, it was a blast. Mm -hmm. And especially this, this year around because uh, I knew a lot more people than when I went in 2011 uh, because they was, uh, I just went by myself and hardly knew anyone. And just so I just stuck around uh, uh, doing stuff. And basically, they only had like, what, two or three villages. So there was a lot more at this DEF CON than than uh, than the one in uh, 2011, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe how many things were going on. First of all, how big that convention center at Caesars is ridiculous, and then yeah, it's huge. You know, all the talks, and there's a million concurrent, and then there's the sky talks, and there's the village, and then there's the workshops, and then there's the vendor area, and it's it can be overwhelming, and uh, you kind of 
kind of need to sit down and just plan it out a little better to uh, navigate yourself around and when you're going to, and you know, Mark and I were saying too, you got to schedule in your breaks and your lunches around stuff you don't, where nothing's going on. Exactly. And the other thing too, like Mark alluded to earlier was, uh, was uh, because there's just so much going on, maybe like for next year, I figured just skip all the regular talks because they'll be on YouTube. So you could watch them, you know, whenever you want. So just basically stick with the villages and with the sky talks, because yeah, because those, you know, I mean, uh, those will never, those will not be recorded, and uh, so that's what I would do is like try to get as much knowledge from the unrecorded material as much as possible. I agree. Yeah, like I'd been, I've been fighting with a, a master lock. 140, which has four pins. One is a spool security pin for a year, not knowing what to do. And after sitting at those tables and playing with them and talking to people from Tool, came home and within a couple of minutes had it open. <laughs> so I learned a lot more. And there's tons of stuff, man. I'd like get, I'd like to get my hands on a lot more of the stuff in the packet hacking village and, village and stuff like that. Sort of the echo Dom. I'm definitely bringing a laptop last time. I'll just bring a burner shitty laptop with Cali on it and I'll use that. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too was, uh, was, uh, the, the, uh, I spent also some time in the hardware village. I've managed to get some free pins, but, uh, lo and behold, you have to solder those little things together. You could also buy some badges, which is, uh, which some of them could take six hours to put together. So I just uh, took these little two to test out my uh, soldering skills and and went to the hard- hardware hacking village and started soldering uh, these two little pins together. And uh, yeah, I was like, after that, I was like, hmm, my soldering skills aren't that half bad. Man, I should have bought a badge. But some of them, you know, they sell out, either sell out very quickly or they're very expensive. So I yeah, decided sure. against that. Did you have to wait a long time to get to the soldering table? I saw a lot of people complaining about that. Oh, yeah. I had to wait. I had to basically walk around. And I managed to get one in 15 minutes. But some people were saying that they had to wait an hour. That's not bad, really. If you have no. other things to do and people to talk to, it's not bad. It was, yeah. speaking of people to talk to, one of the things I like is you can make the nerdiest damn joke in a lineup and everyone around you laughs. It's like, ah, oh, I'm home. I'm with my people. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I found that so overwhelming <laughs> for me standing alive. It's like <laughs> I, I became a recluse half the time. I was like, "Oh God, this is too much." But uh, <laughs> it's too much for me. But it was good. Everyone's super yeah. friendly. Everyone was. Just, oh yeah, absolutely. And then you realize that you're nowhere near the nerd you thought you were, <laughs> which is yeah. good. Yeah. It's like, oh, at least I'm not that guy. That guy never gets late. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> which is the measure. So, for us guys yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. <clears throat> this guy fucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of them some of them get really down to it i'm like what was the, this the one fucking guy? <laughs> well, <laughs> i don't know that, some, was that your segue uh no not quite i'm talking about the <laughs> tech some of those but, parties uh, man i don't know they're dumb yeah, <laughs> yeah. sausage <laughs> Well, I ran into this one girl. Actually, she was on uh, Security Weekly a while back. Uh, her name was Allison Nixon, and she had uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what was it? Several DEFCON badges, and she said, "Yeah, they made an a- they they had an accident, so I ended up with like 20 badges around my neck." And I was like, "She had like all these like 20." I'm like, "What did you do? Like, you paid uh, three two hundred sixty bucks uh, American for like for each badge or something?" <laughs> And she's like, no, they just uh, it was an accident, and I just ended up with twenty badges on my around my neck. Wow. Okay, so those badges were pretty neat for sure. I, like, I yeah. didn't even know what was going on with those till you know towards the end. Like, oh, look at this! All these villages have these badges, so there's some things you can. Yeah, I was like, yeah. do you win these? Like, what? What is the story? Yeah, and one thing is, uh, you uh, some of the badges you buy, like the bender, like there's a bender badge. Um, that uh, is essentially like a wireless access point that uh, meshes uh, with other people with bender badges. And basically what you do is uh, uh, it's, it's basically like you're like a walking mesh network, mesh network node. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I want oh, yeah. that one. Yeah. And, but you have to buy them uh, before DEF CON. They weren't selling them at DEF CON. Oh, see, like all, all yeah, this stuff you, don't even know that happens. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot, right? I mean, uh, looked at uh, getting the privacy badge, but that was 120 bucks. So I was like, uh, nah. 
I don't know if I want to spend that for a badge that uh, ultimately may not be useful. You know, I mean, it looks neat, but uh, if it's just going to stay on my wall or hang on my my uh, my my bookshelf, then I don't know if I you know pay 120 bucks for that. So there were a couple uh, big happenings at DefCon this year uh, after coming back that we found out about. So one is uh, Salesforce.com fired two members of its internal red team after they yeah. gave a presentation. Yeah. I guess it was sponsored by Salesforce. They're talking about an internal attack tool that they made called Meat Pistol. And I haven't seen the talk because that's not one I went to. I don't know if it's up on YouTube or anything yet or security too, but probably will be later. But yeah. Um, at the last minute, I guess Salesforce decided they wanted to change the mind, and they texted one of the guys an hour before they're supposed to go up, saying, "Don't actually don't do the talk." Oh, huh. Really? So they turned off their phone so they couldn't be contacted directly and could just plead ignorance that they didn't get. You know, SMS isn't guaranteed delivery. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, they went on anyway. Um, uh, then they were fired. Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what was going on there, but. Uh... Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty strange. And the- I'd be interested to see the talk, but I wonder. I have to look at it, but I wonder what was so bad about it. Yeah, it's one of those things too, where it's like, well, don't sanction it and send them to Vegas. Yeah. Like, do your risk management and exactly. you know risk assessment before then, not send them there. And then one hour before they're supposed to go on, tell them no. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit sketchy. Yeah. I mean, like, could they actually get fired for that? And man, they could probably go uh, go appeal that. And probably win. Depends if they're at like an at-will state or not. Yeah, exactly. California is at-will. Hmm. I can see why then yeah, they were fired immediately. Yeah, Otherwise pretty shitty. That. But I'm it sure they'll get work shitty. somewhere. Oh, absolutely. They're actually, uh, uh, the minute they were fired, they started getting job offers. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's usually how it works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> like the Google. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other one was uh, Marcus Hutchins, who was credited for stopping the WannaCry uh, spreading by figuring out that it was trying to get to a domain, so he registered it. He figured that out and then registered it, and it stopped the spread of the worm. Um, he was arrested after DEFCON by the FBI and charged with helping create, spread, and maintain the banking Trojan Kronos between 2014 and 2015. Yeah, Kronos was sold on Alphabay. If they have any proof, or they just arrest them. They must, right? Well, can you charge people with no proof whatsoever? I don't think uh, so. Someone's going to give you a warrant. Well, technically, no. They seem to just kind of do whatever the hell they want there. Yeah, tell well, that to Kevin Mitnick and everyone else, right? You can't charge. You can't just arrest people with no charges. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Well, especially with foreign nationals, because the Constitution does not apply to foreign nationals. So uh, what happened was. Uh, the prosecutor, when they during his bail hearing, said that uh, because he's a foreign national, he wasn't supposed to uh, possess or use firearms. And he was at the gun range on the first, uh, basically, on the morning of the first day of DEFCON, and found uh, and and found that uh, the the prosecutor was trying to use that. But the judge said, no, that's a that's that's not enough to deny him bail. So. Like a, a recreational gun range? Like he went to the gun store? Yeah, he went to the recreational gun range. Like the, for tourists, right? Like that's yeah. uh, in Las Vegas. So it's... I that's pretty crazy. I'm a yeah. foreign national to the U.S. and I always go there and fire guns. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's dumb as shit. It is, right? I mean, if, if you've if you're got somebody who there is an American citizen, then you shouldn't, have, there's, you shouldn't have any issues. But if you're carrying a gun by yourself or... Or with other foreign nationals, yeah, then you can be in a heap of trouble. And it's actually a lot tougher than it is in Canada, hmm. which is ironic. <laughs> Crazy. So I haven't heard more about that and when what's happening with him, but uh, I guess that'll come out soon enough. The yeah. next six months or so, how slow the wheels of justice turn. Um, so I guess the last thing we need to discuss about DEFCON before we move on to something else is, are we going to do it again next year? I'm thinking about it doing it again next oh, yeah. year. Oh, I'm yeah. game. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just definitely something here and see if we can get a few more guys to uh, to go this exactly. time from whatever the meet a security meetup or whoever. But you yeah. know what we definitely need? We what we definitely need? We need to bring more women. <laughs> yeah, you work on you that. You work on that. You're single. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. 
I talked to my wife about it, and she's not huge on Vegas. It's not her favorite thing, but uh, she's not going to go if I'm going to be gone all day. Like, she's not a huge shopper. There's not enough there to hold her interest for four days while I'm at a conference all day, sort of back and forth, back and forth. So That's a good yeah. little trip. It's not too bad. You can go again, get some other guys to go if they can or not, but stay a bit closer, and uh, it should be fun. We know what we're doing now. Yep, exactly. You learn a lot when you uh, you go like the first time. You learn a lot. It's like, okay, this is what I need to do for the next time. Yeah, I'll totally uh, spend some time with the uh, DC six hundred four crew as well. Meet, get meet, get to know some of those guys and meet them. Yeah, because I, I I hung out with them uh, quite a, quite a bit. Uh, the the DC six hundred four guy, like that's uh, 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 they're from Vancouver, and uh, yeah, they're really smart guys. Uh, and they 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 know they know their ins and outs of DefCon. They go to they go every year. Uh, and they know where, where all the parties are, uh, what's what's going on. So, uh, yeah, a great group of people. Uh, and recording on on site. We gotta we gotta record a podcast next time. I'll bring some portable Absolutely. gear. I also met some friends uh, friends of mine from uh, one from California, the other from uh, Minneapolis. And the one from California actually did a blog post that was uh, that was shared by actually uh, DefCon. Uh, the DEFCON uh, conference committee on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so his name was Matthew Letty. Uh, he was like a beginner, a newbie, noob's guide to DEFCON. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's a good read. Awesome. Definitely do that again. Yeah. All right. Uh, On to some Canadian focus news. Um, Bill C-51, um, also known as the Anti-Terrorism Act 2015, was passed by the Harper government. And it's basically equivalent to the same sweeping powers that were granted to the U.S. NSA to monitor its own citizens uh, after 9-11 under the you know, banner of national security. So Americans aren't the only ones with wide-sweeping bills to expand government powers. Uh, we have them in Canada, too. Uh, the current Liberal government in Canada has put forward Bill C-59, which is an attempt to overhaul that current Canadian surveillance and security law. It addresses some of the core criticisms of C-51, and it brings some of the uh, communications security establishment and CSIS activities under some judicial judicial control and oversight for the first time. I know we mentioned on an earlier podcast about how the CSE is virtually run without any oversight whatsoever. Uh, it has its own judge, for example, who doesn't answer to anyone or tell anyone in the public or government what CSE is doing or the, what they're asking to do, which sort of negates the whole purpose of having judicial oversight to begin with. Yeah, so much for judicial oversight. Yeah, so one of the things that C-59 does is add like a watchdog entity who's going to look after them, uh, CSE and CSIS and the RCMP, all that sort of stuff, and report out. And the thing is, is that... Uh... Yeah, that that's not really what I call oversight, but uh, I think at the time when they they uh, wanted to have oversight, they wanted to keep everything secret. It's like FISA courts, right? Like the everything everything is secret, even the, like the warrant. They have to get a secret warrant um, with the FISA court. You don't know what's in it, but the I guess the investigators do. So they have everything everything was done in secret with within FISA court in the United States. But here in Canada, it's like okay, we'll just hire one judge to oversee them. And uh, that's all going to be kept secret so that the you know, secrecy of CSIS and CSE is maintained. So, but unfortunately, that doesn't, uh, that was, uh, you know, half-ass uh, way of, of, uh, of doing it. They, you know, they, they need to overhaul, they need to have better oversight and making sure that uh, the, the, uh, these organizations are uh, not... Uh, not uh, violating people's rights, mm-hmm. and that's that's a big issue. Sorry, they're talking about better oversight, and they had concerns with the information sharing within the government. Right. So, I don't know. I look up something like B sixty nine, and it's or C six fifty nine. Sorry, and um, like B fifty two stealth bombers. Um, C fifty nine is. I want your. I wonder sometimes you feel like they're just putting lipstick on a pig. Like, are they just doing us lip service or are they actually doing something to, to actually, you know, protect our privacy? I think there's a bit of a balance, right? Like they're trying to do threat reduction, they call it, but also 
respects on privacy. And I, I think C51 overstepped that and C59 isn't perfect, um, but it's, you know, continuous improvement, let's say, to use industry business buzz speak. Um, well, so yeah, to keep uh, everything, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a start. You know, they're trying to find that balance. And uh, there is a fi- there is a fine balance between um, between keeping secrecy with the CSE slash CSIS and uh, and maintaining individuals rights. It's it's not the uh, it, it's not and this balance. Maintaining this balance is not the easiest thing in the world. And there's a lot going on in these bills, too. That people understand. I mean, it's a huge bill. We're talking about a lot of a lot of provisions and a lot of, you know, things to go through like it's not just you know 10 pages like and as broad as like yes we'll protect your privacy no we won't do this no we don't there's just there's so many little things involved like surveillance of airport wi-fi or uploads and downloads to internet storage sites like there's just so many things they need to address and you know we're Mm -hmm. making steps in the right direction i mean it's better than nothing um and uh, no, it is, and it's 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 better than nothing. But uh, but still, there is there there is a lot of room to improve for improvement, and and I think they're trying to improvement, you know, in, as incrementally as possible. But uh, it's uh, again, it's you know, they're trying it's trying to get that balance, you know, trying to find that fulcrum point where uh, where everything balances, right? And it's and it's not easy because they don't know where that point is really. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's. There's also some newer stuff in here um, that wasn't in uh, Bill C-51. So C-59 adds uh, some oversight, but it also confirms the uh, communication security establishment as a cyber agency with both offensive and defensive powers, and it legally grants it the ability to operate in Canada. Uh, currently, the CC's mandates are not codified in law, it's left up to ministers or internal policies to determine what they're doing at any given time and what they're allowed to do. Now that's very interesting because uh, that could, uh, in, uh, in, like, I don't know if any other country has that, but uh, I know, um, like, the NSA is foreign only, but uh, they could look at us and saying, well, their uh, their version of uh, their, the CSE in Canada now has domestic. Uh, uh, offensive and defensive cyber Right, it does, but it, it also limits its cyber operations provided that they must not be directed at a Canadian or at mm-hmm. any person in Canada. So how does that uh, make it domestic then? No, they have offensive and defensive powers, but they're and they're allowed, they're not allowed to do it. So it's the whole five eyes thing, right? So everyone oh, yeah, says, yeah. well, you can't spy on your own people. Other than that, you can do offensive and defensive shit, whatever you want. So what happens is the Canadians spy on the Americans and the Brits and the it goes in a circle, right? Uh, yeah, the exactly. And then like they'll they'll just share the information, right? Yeah. So exactly. they're thereby ignoring and circumventing any real intent of any domestic spying limitations. If I just decide that, hey, you know what, I'll spy on your people, you spy on mine. And if they're even going that far, they might just not care. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they've been doing that for decades. And uh, it's, uh, in fact, CSE is actually older than uh, the NSA. Yeah, really uh, old. Yeah, it's, it's, it was founded in 1941, and nobody knew it existed until probably 10 years ago. And uh, you had the NSA, you know, no such agency. Uh, started in 1952, but, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they had a lot more money. They had a bigger budget, well probably you know massively bigger budget than the CSE and uh, they were able to do a lot more than the, than the CSE could ever or ever could so I mean but now the uh, the CSE is becoming more and more prominent because everybody is connected to the internet the internet is all pervasive is all pervasive not just on your monitor but it's on your you know your light bulbs are connected your TVs connected your lamps are connected like even door locks are connected, like you know. I mean, so they're becoming uh, increasingly like this, these agencies are becoming increasingly prominent, and uh, they uh, they're going to have a larger role, and you're going to see you're going to see and hear a lot more of them in the future. Yeah, uh, the bill also reigns in some powers that were previously given to CSIS. 
Uh, Dom mentioned earlier that they had, you know, secret non-appealable warrants like uh, the FISA courts in the U.S. Uh, currently, they can reduce threats, in quotes, by breaching any Canadian law and any charter rights, short of doing bodily harm and obstruction of justice. And uh, I can see Which that Which is happen. pretty crazy. So with, with C-59, it's mm-hmm. like, no, you can't torture, you can't destroy property. Like, it lists a bunch of things that CSIS can do and can't do with a warrant. There's still going to be all the secret warrants that no one knows about and you can't talk about if you get one similar to FISA or the NSLs like in the States, the national security letters. Yeah. Puts yeah. a gag order on, uh, on you. Right. Uh, or if you're a company, it's like, I need data on, on these individuals. And by the way, this have, here's an NSL. Uh, so they've definitely reined some of that stuff in, but then, you know, I'm reading like, you know, now they've expanded their domestic cybersecurity defense mandate. Right. So, can now acquire Canada data and interact with designated Canadian infrastructure. Um, yeah, that's one of the weird things that jumped out at me is like they're allowed to do cybersecurity and information assurance, and they're granted nearly unlimited discretion. discretion. Like they can just evaluate any system for vulnerabilities, including private sector Canadian systems. And it's just the minister who has to, you know, say, yeah, that's okay or not. And it's like, but who is this minister? <laughs> Right. It's like, oh yeah, authorized. Just is it just you know a stroke of a pen, and it's just a formality, so it's no big deal then. And it could also depend on you know the minister, like if he's a, if he's like a Donald Trump authoritarian. Oh boy. <laughs> and like you know, I mean, there has to be a little bit more. Like it's something like if it something like that should be uh, signed off. Yeah, the minister can sign off if it's up to a certain point, a certain level. But anything like for say very large. Uh, uh, surveillance, uh, like need to surveil a large amount of people or uh, acquire a large amount of data on individuals, then uh, then it should probably go up to the prime minister for his sign off. How much he actually knows? They said they don't even need authorization from the minister to do this. Like Mark was saying, evaluate any system for vulnerabilities, including private sector Canadian systems. So any system with extensive Canadian data, they can just do it. You know, they're saying, well, maybe the would be limited by wiretapping and anti-hacking protections in the criminal code, but if it's all secret and behind closed doors, how do you know? Right, there's nothing in C-59 either to do with uh, warrantless uh, stingray spying, which is one of the things that I was looking for, and it's specifically mentioned in uh, an email from uh, Open Media, which I will put in the show notes because um, there's a link in there to for a one-click easy message. You just put in your address, and you can send a message to your member of parliament to tell them that you don't, you still don't like any of the shit, and you you want it a bit better. Uh, they're going to be debating C59 in the fall, so it's a, important to get your voice out there um, as much as possible and let your representatives know what you're going to stand for and what you're not. Yeah, let yourself be heard. If you if you don't like some aspects of the of the bill then uh, you should contact your MP and let them know that uh, uh, that there are certain aspects that, uh, you know, keep you awake at night. Uh, so with next topic, then with all the other topics we've been discussing in the last few episodes, uh, we haven't really touched on the Vault 7 releases from WikiLeaks in a while. So I wanted to return to those, uh, but there's so many that have been released since the last time we talked about them that I don't want to bore the audience and put ourselves to sleep by going through the list and talking about each one and what it does. So what I propose instead is that we, you know, sort of take turns talking about one on the list that we find interesting or terrifying and go around like that for, you know, 15 minutes or so. See what, where that takes us. Um, I'll have a list of all of them that that we haven't talked about yet and their descriptions in the show notes at two drop tables.ca. That's the number two, of course. So the listeners can access vault seven information from there. Of course, just Google, WikiLeaks Vault 7, and you can learn more. You know, I'll start off here um, looking at a list of them that have been uh, put out since uh, July. What was it? Actually, July 27th, Imperial. Oh, that's an interesting one. OSX disk image, basically uh, Trojan that uh, fix uh, an OSS, OSX uh, disk image for uh, installer with one or more desired operator specified executables. So if you got a Macintosh um, computer, uh, this uh, does apply to you, and uh, this this uh, this uh, particular Trojan can be used against uh, 
against you. Um, and it can also, uh, it's a number, and yeah, it, it not only does it affect Mac, Mac systems, but it also affects Debian, uh, Red Hat, Solaris, FreeBSD, and CentOS. So, I mean, it's, this is, this is uh, quite, uh, uh, quite a, uh, quite a Trojan, and uh, it's, uh, it's pretty shocking um, what it can do. Just, uh, but uh, the funny thing is, I, have, I haven't seen any of the actual source code. Almost all, all I've seen, you know, with a few notable exceptions, I think what was it uh, called uh, Marble? I can't remember what it was. Though. But, um, yeah, that, that's the only one I've seen with the source code. But every other ones I've seen here, I have not seen the source code. Not yet, anyway. So it's just the, you know, the leaker who's uh, putting these out uh, is just is basically putting out the documentation, and that's it. Yeah, that one's kind of interesting. I, most of the time, if you're running um, Linux or like any POSIX compliant, POSIX based system, you like OS X or anything else, you think you're you're safe, right? Um, a lot of people are like, well. I'm <laughs> I'm safe because I'm running. I'm not running Windows. And just looking at this list of tools, like there's other things in here that we've talked about before, and other stuff on this list of stuff you haven't reviewed yet that specifically are going after OSX because they know a lot of people use Macs. They also need to have tools that do stuff there as well. So of course they're going to. That uh, you know Macs are becoming more and more ubiquitous, and uh, they they are becoming increasingly ubiquitous. Like uh, I know more and more of my friends are using Macs. Um, and I know more and more uh, people in high positions are using Macs. So that's a, uh, that's a, uh, you know, it's pretty shocking. That's true. All the execs use Macs because they're more expensive and they think they're they're more awesome. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, okay, so look at this other one that caught my eye was you know Outlaw Country. You know, same thing. It targets Linux. Yeah. Uh, it redirects all outbound network traffic to uh, you know a controlled machine of your choice. For you know, info, XN infiltration purposes, you know, there's a kernel module creates a hidden net filter table on Linux target. So it knows a table name. You can create rules that take precedence over existing like IP table rules, and the user will never see them, even a system admin. So I mean, that's you know, well, you're on Linux. Congratulations, right? Like, how safe are you? <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if they need physical access. They'll read up on that one. That's not one that I looked at. See if they need physical access to the machine to install that. Or some ability to root the machine. Like some vulnerability to get in and execute this to set it up. Yeah, and it's just an operator have to rely on your available CI exploits and backdoors to get okay. the kernel module in, right? So you They have lots of those. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I was looking at Dumbo. Um, which wasn't in the show notes that we shared beforehand. It was released on August 3rd. Uh, Dumbo looks scary to me. It sounded like something like right out of uh, a spy novel. It's used to find video recordings and webcam software on Windows PCs. And it's used by the CIA's physical access group who are tasked to gain and exploit physical access to computer systems for CIA field ops. What they would do is break into the building, get to the computers that they want to play with, and while they're doing that, another guy in the team runs to runs around trying to find the PC that's got all the webcam software and whatever, whatever it is loaded onto it, plugs in this USB stick, and it will look for and suspend all the processes that it knows up for um, video recording, security video recording software. And then it'll provide the user with a list of video recordings so they can basically see, you know, the CIA physical access group going in and breaking into the back door and running around, around in the hallway and, excuse me, corrupt those videos. But this is this just sounded weird to me. You know, it's sort of very, you know, Hollywood-esque that, you know, of course they've developed a tool to do this so the person doesn't have to bang away at this Windows PC forever to delete the recordings of them breaking into the building and... Mm-hmm all that other stuff. You can just plug this thing in and it just does a whack of stuff and tells them, oh, these are videos from the, you know, half hour time you're in the building. Okay, click, 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 click. All right. <laughs> and just pull the USB stick out and, you know, set it to go back and continue recording in 10 minutes and everyone runs out of the building and they got whatever they came in for or installed whatever they came in for and away you go. Hopefully no one notices that, hey, oh, 
for half an hour. The, the recordings were all kind of weird and didn't record properly. It's exactly what it is. It's exactly right out of the movies. Sometimes I wonder if they just know. Because <laughs> all this kind of stuff <laughs> exactly. comes out and you're like, oh my god, I've seen that in a lot of movies. Or they see it, or they see it in the movie and go, holy, why don't we have one of those? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you could probably do it with a bash bunny. Just write the right scripts. Probably. And, uh... Someone's probably watching, you know, one of these spy movies, seeing something and just knowing they're going to go into work the next day and the boss is going to be like, build, build something that was on, you know, 007 yesterday. <laughs> like, oh, God, I knew I was okay. going to do that. <laughs> but uh, it seems to me that uh, I'm looking at these tools and anybody can create tools like this. I mean, there's tools like uh, I got me, I got my, myself. I got, I have a bash, I bought a bash bunny at DEF CON. And a ton of people actually bought one of those. And, uh, you know, you just put uh, scripting, you know, the script language that does, does exactly what uh, Dumbo does and just uh, uh, arm it and put it into the machine, corrupts the videos, and psh, walk and away. Everything's so easily accessible now. You go into so many businesses. Exactly. And ports are all available facing the customer half the time. Just the physical security in a lot of places is just such an oversight. Yeah, it doesn't seem, they don't seem to care, right, about these... But uh, going back to uh, Meat Pistol, actually, it's funny enough, uh, Meat Pistol is an uh, anagram for Metasploit. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's uh, pretty nerdy of you, Dom. I know, I know. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So make it real life. And that's what, I'm, that's what I see here with a lot of these uh, CIA A lot of stuff tools. you thought was only in the movies, now it's legit. Yeah, there's one here that doesn't, doesn't sound too far-fetched to me. And I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And something I thought about before, which is uh, Elsa, mm-hmm. which came out on June 28th. And Elsa is like a geolocation malware. So they use one of their existing CIA exploits or backdoors. And any system running Microsoft Windows that has Wi-Fi enabled, so that's everybody. Uh, and what it does is basically at any interval, it scans for uh, nearby Wi-Fi access points and records all the ESS, MAC address, signal strength, all that stuff, and uses public geolocation databases mm-hmm. like Google hmm. uh, or Microsoft's to resolve the position of the device, stores the Latin long along with the timestamp, and just keeps it in a log file. And then they go back in and, and get it, and they know everywhere where you've been, which, like, that's something you can script really, really easily. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not surprised they're doing stuff like that. It's still really scary. It is. It is really scary, but it is actually very easy either to acquire or to, if you're creative enough, uh, to actually write. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's not that hard. You could use uh, PowerShell scripts. You could use uh, Bash scripts. You could use uh, pretty much anything, Python. I mean, py- scripting with Python is not that hard, and you can do a lot with it. I saw Four Dummies book there at that point. I might get that one. The Python. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Python is something that I definitely want to get a lot more proficient with before I attempt my uh, penetration testing, uh, my OSCP cert. Yeah, exactly. Because so I want to be able to just script things and, and do things quickly. Yeah, absolutely. There isn't enough time in 24 hours to scan all the things and then come back and look at them manually later. You know, he's like, no, I need to script things and pipe things to... Something yeah. you can read quickly. Exactly. Did you sign up for your OSCP yet? No, I want to get a lot better at my workflow before I do that. Yeah, yeah, same here. I'm going to get a lot more prepared for it. I plan on signing up for around November, December timeframe, so don't... That's uh, not long. No, it's not. I probably will delay a year uh, with this new job, being that I'm going to be developing a security program for a whole organization. I sort of... I'm spending a lot of time studying and uh, going over some of that stuff, as long as, as, long as some um, organizational change, management stuff and all that, because they don't have anything there right now. So I'm expecting a bit of a pushback from some of the you know developers and all that stuff. So I'm going to have my head deep in that for the next year or so, for sure. Yeah, I hear you. That's going to be, that's going to keep you busy. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Anything else on here in this list you guys want to talk about? I'm looking at here, uh, let me just check the list here. Brutal Kangaroo. Yeah. Now, this one is a tool for Microsoft and the targets closed networks by AirGap. Now, a lot of a lot of systems nowadays, especially critical systems, were are, are becoming more AirGapped, uh, which requires uh, 
the purpose, like the uh, the tester, penetration tester, the uh, the CIA agent operative or whatever, to uh, actually physically uh, access the uh, the air gap system, or in the case of Stuxnet, drop USB keys on the parking lot and just hopefully somebody plugs one in. Yeah, that's exactly how this one kind works. of looks. What it's doing, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, yeah. but the interesting part about this one is that if you manage to uh, infect multiple computers on that closed air gap network, they will form a hidden network between each other to help like coordinate attacks little, yeah. and stuff. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. And it is it, it is Windows based though. Of so course. I see. I see that could be limited because a lot of air gap systems could very well be Linux. So Brutal Kangaroo is limited in that fashion. However, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a version of Brutal Kangaroo that uh, could be out there that has not been uh, documented, not been leaked yet, uh, that uh, probably has uh, affects uh, Linux and Mac OS X and FreeBSD and all those other POSIX compliance systems. They must know who... How many people had access to all this information? Like, I'm surprised they don't know who this person is. Yeah, this is this is interesting because uh, wouldn't they have caught the leaker by now? This has been going on for probably over, like, almost a year, if not more. We've said Andrew's drinking a lot. The people are drinking a lot this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why uh, I was like, hmm, I'll probably just stick with cranberry juice. <laughs> um, one of the newest ones came out August 10th called Couch Potato. If you go to the WikiLeaks site. Vault 7 site, you can take a look at that one. Um, there's nothing huge about it, but it's just um, an interesting drink uh, that it uh, collects H.264 video streams. So wow. if you're recording something, you're infected, and it either streams that AVI to whoever they want or takes JPEG images of the stream. And the other thing, too, is... Uh... H.264 is very ubiquitous. Like, you see cameras. Uh, like yeah, it's RTSP, camera. right? So that's what exactly. all of my webcams use. So if I was infected with that, then it's looking at for that stream. And then it's even smart enough to only take a JPEG image when there's significant difference in between frames. So it's not sending the CIA, my driveway, my computer room, all these other places where I have cameras, everywhere in my house, people. Um, mm. And then it... it it knows if something moves, and then it sends the CIA the picture. So you have uh, quite sophisticated locks there, right? Eh? Like uh, man traps and stuff at your house? <laughs> yeah, man traps and, <laughs> and alarms and <laughs> yeah, shotguns pointed at the back door. Yeah, like, Gatling gun, like robotic Gatling guns that come out. There's a cool talk. Uh, I don't know if it was DEF CON. It was definitely one of the cons, though, where someone was talking about um, basically trolling people with the, you know, like IOT devices and stuff that he'd hacked and played with and stuff as his alarm system, like putting, um, a like small detonator and uh, a bunch of fireworks in a tin can in the entryway, stuff like that. Large flashing lights strobing at, you know, um, frequencies that would bother people's eyes and make them, you know, dizzy and whatever. It's kind of interesting of what, would actually be legal to do or not, depending on where you live. And drink, another drink. Um, drink, drink. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, is that um, that can be used as a as a weapon. Like if you if you um, you you basically hack these light bulbs. They have these light bulbs, especially these internet connected light bulbs, have um, you know different shades, different colors. Sometimes. Some of them, well, there's one that advertised like 60 million colors. I'm going, whoa, okay. Um, that uh, basically, if you make it cycle very rapidly, yeah, you can you can cause uh, dizziness, epileptic seizures, like uh, all sorts of things. And um, yeah, they, they, it, 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 it seems to be that uh, there is that jump between cyber and now it's hitting, it's starting to hit, uh, hurt people, like literally. And so that's uh, that's something that uh, needs to be uh, that people need to be aware of, and uh, that there needs to be better security on something as innocuous as a light bulb. Yeah, I have. Um, I don't have any of the Wi-Fi light bulbs, but I do see when I'm using Kismet or anything like that on Linux. I don't see if I'm just go and show you know show Wi-Fi, you know, in on one of my boxes. But if I'm actually looking at the traffic, I do see the SSIDs of those two 
um, cameras. I haven't been able to connect to one to get the stream or anything yet, but I'm betting that you could, given enough time. Mm -hmm. They're not very new, so... Yeah, there's a will, there's a way, right? I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's uh, I would imagine it wouldn't be that difficult to uh, to actually break into those uh, into, into those Wi-Fi those those. Yeah, I'm kind of interested because I don't really like the idea of someone watching my kids. Yeah. From you exactly. know their house next door or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, It'd be nice. very creepy. <laughs> Less wireless, the better. In my place, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wire everything down. Yeah, I've replaced a bunch smart. of my webcams with um, PoE. Yeah. Um, wired stuff just because the one the wireless just got annoying with the interference and everything else and two yeah it's just you know breaking into all my neighbors wi-fi cameras and then i'm like maybe i shouldn't have these myself <laughs> i don't need a smart fridge i can use my eyes to see when it's empty yeah exactly just open the door oh there's nothing no food in there <laughs> the thing is i mean i look at uh yeah that's that's the thing. You know, it's like, there's going to be all these Wi-Fi devices everywhere, and uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's it's gonna cause a lot of interference, and yeah, maybe uh, limit the number of Wi-Fi devices. Like, it's it's better to, if you need if you want if it's best to uh, use wired if uh, if possible. If you don't have to go uh, too far away from your router to whatever the device is, but uh, yeah, that's uh, need to find need to. You know, have a balance between wired and wired wireless access, uh, wireless devices. Uh, I think that's all she wrote for tonight. It's uh, just under an hour, so it's a bit longer than normal, and I'm out of whiskey. <laughs> uh, so thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we will be back and regular. Uh, sounds like we're taking Metamucil or something. Uh, <laughs> more regularly every two weeks uh, from now on. Good night. All right. Good night, everyone. That was the Two Drop Tables podcast for this week. If you've got comments or feedback, you can visit our website at 2droptables.ca. That's the number 2, droptables.ca. There you can read the show notes and leave a comment on this episode. Or you can email feedback at 2droptables.ca. You can subscribe to us via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find fine podcasts. Just go to our website for convenient links or search your podcasting app for 2droptables.ca.